<clears throat> Morning, church. How's everybody doing this holiday weekend? Excellent, good. We are in a study of the book of Ruth, and we're winding down. We've got this week and next week. If you haven't been here or missed a couple, I'll bring you up to date today so you won't miss anything. We've been saying that life doesn't always turn out as planned. Your life doesn't always turn out as planned. I think everyone could testify to that. Maybe your marriage didn't turn out the way you had planned. Maybe your kids didn't turn out the way you had planned. Maybe your retirement didn't turn out the way you had planned. Maybe your job didn't turn out the way you had planned. Maybe the location you're at didn't turn out the way you had planned. Sometimes things don't go as planned. So let me illustrate today. Sometimes one of the things that doesn't go as planned are weddings. Weddings usually don't go as planned. In 40 years of ministry, I think I've done about 70 weddings, and I can all but assure you they almost always never go as planned. The locations have been from A to Z. The music has been from A to Z. The dealing with mothers and mother-in-laws has been A to Z. Um... More times than not, weddings don't go as planned. There are always glitches. The good news is the people sitting watching usually don't know the glitches. But being up front and close, I get to see all of those glitches. Sometimes there's forgotten lines. Usually the wedding party doesn't remember where to stand. Those X's on the floor mean nothing to them. Sometimes the cake doesn't show up. It's almost always a given that it doesn't go as planned. Not to mention just, just the stress of weddings these days. And much of the stress comes from the cost of the wedding. For example, I, I know you probably can't see this at the bottom. The total average cost these days, average, average, is right at $28,000. Some of y'all have been involved in weddings thinking, I wish... It was only $28,000. Some of y'all did wedding on a budget, and you're like, $28,000? That usually doesn't include the cost of the engagement ring. It doesn't include the cost of the honeymoon. It can be stressful. And when the wedding day arrives, when the wedding day finally arrives, people, especially the bride and groom, are ready for it to be over. It's like, can this just be over? The most popular month to get married is June. How many of y'all got married in June? Really? I just kind of ruined the sermon. <laughs> the least popular month to get married is January. How many January? Really? <laughs> Make a note of that. So let's get back to the book of Ruth because <clears throat> we're heading to a wedding in the book of Ruth. We looked at Ruth 3 last week and when we left off, Ruth was left waiting. Waiting to find out who she was going to marry. Not waiting at the altar there wasn't going to be anybody. Waiting, wondering who she was going to be married. So let me do a quick review of Ruth. I'll bring you up to date. When we started the book of Ruth, we had a family of four. My God is king and his wife pleasant, and their two boys sickly and wasting away. Don't you just love that? It just never gets old. 
They moved to Moab. They moved to enemy territory because there was a famine in the land. There was a famine in the land because there was disobedience and rebellion. And God said, if you continue to be disobedient and rebellious, I'm going to send a famine. And He did. So they went to Moab. They went to live with the enemy because the grass they thought was greener on the other side. While they were there, the two boys married gazelle and beauty. How about that? Gazelle and beauty. And then life continues not to go as planned. Elimelech dies, Malon dies, Kilion dies, and they leave three widow women to survive. They didn't plan for their husbands to die. They didn't plan to be widows. They didn't plan for life to deal them this hand. Orpah returns to Moab. Ruth and Naomi head back to Bethlehem, which means house of bread because God has now provided because the people have repented and turned around. Ruth finds work in the field of Boaz. Ruth finds food in the field of Boaz. Ruth finds protection in the field of Boaz. Ruth finds a kinsman redeemer in the field of Boaz. So we need to talk about kinsman redeemer again just so we understand that concept. Last week we talked about the Leveret Law. Here's the Leveret Law from Deuteronomy 25. If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead, name of the dead brother, so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. So it was the duty and responsibility of the brother or next of kin, the nearest relative, to marry the dead brother's widow and to have a child and the first son would be considered the son of the dead brother. Why was this important? Because the property would stay in the family and the name of the family would carry on. You can also read about kinsman redeemer in Leviticus 25, how God provided for the law of the kinsman redeemer. Let me simply tell you what that means. The kinsman redeemer had the responsibility to act on behalf of a relative who was in trouble, in danger, or in need. Well, that certainly describes Naomi and Ruth. Certainly describes us. Which is why we will talk about Jesus as our redeemer. So how does this apply to the book of Ruth? Well, again, Naomi lost her husband. And so the land goes to the sons. The sons pass away, so the land um, is is left with Ruth because Orpah stays in Moab. And her mother-in-law, Naomi, we talked about this, she becomes a matchmaker. She's going to try to get Ruth and Boaz together. That's where Boaz enters the picture. Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. He's not the only kinsman redeemer. So here's what we read in chapter 3. Ruth said to Boaz, I'm your servant Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. Here's how Boaz responds. He says, although it's true that I am near of kin, there's a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good. Let him redeem. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I'll do it. And that's what Ruth does. She stays right there. Boaz says, I'll take care of everything. I'll take care of everything. In fact, her mother-in-law said, Look, you you stay right here. Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For this man will not rest until the matter is settled. 
So again, Ruth is left waiting. Not in a bad way. She's left waiting to see who she's going to marry. Will it be Boaz as a kinsman redeemer? Or will it be this other person who's next in line? And so she waits. There is going to be a wedding. We just don't know who she's going to marry. But Boaz said, listen, I'll, I'll take care of all the arrangements. Which is kind of interesting because in Bible times, it was the responsibility of the groom to take care of all the wedding arrangements. Which simply means today, some weddings would never happen. Some of y'all get that on the way home. What we find here in Ruth 4, the last chapter, we'll end up next week. Boaz says, I'll take care of all the arrangements, and that's what he's doing. And the first thing he has to do is talk to the guy who's first in line. The first thing he's going to do is he's going to talk to the kinsman redeemer. Boaz wants to marry Ruth. Ruth wants to marry Boaz. We want Ruth and Boaz together. But first we need to visit with this kinsman redeemer. So here's chapter 4. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat there. When the kinsman redeemer he had mentioned came along, Boaz said, Come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, Sit here. Then he said to the kinsman redeemer, Naomi, who's come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. So this kinsman redeemer replied and said, I'll do it. I'll redeem um, Ruth. Now, this is really more than a business transaction. We've been saying this is a love story. This is a story about redemption. This is a story about a redeemed people. This is a story about a redeemed person, Ruth. This is... This is your story. This is our story. You see, in Bible times, everything happened at the city gate. So Boaz goes to the city gate. He's looking for the kinsman redeemer. He's looking for witnesses. And he's looking to find redemption for Ruth. And when the kinsman redeemer shows up, one translation says, when such and such shows up, One translation doesn't even get close to giving his name. The Bible doesn't give us his name. But one translation says, such and such. We never hear his name. Because his name is not important. Because he's not been acting like a kinsman redeemer. No doubt he knows Naomi has returned. No doubt he knows Naomi has lost her husband. No doubt he knows what's going on here. And this guy hasn't done jack as a kinsman redeemer. Why hasn't this guy stepped up? Why hasn't he helped Naomi and Ruth? Why hasn't he provided redemption? And now he finds out Naomi's selling her land? And he says, yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm interested. I'll be the kinsman redeemer. I'll keep the property in the family name. And then Boaz says, On the day you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth the Moabitess, you acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the kinsman redeemer said, "Uh, Yeah, I'm out. I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Buy it yourself. Interesting. Boaz says, you know you get Ruth the Moabitess with this deal. And this guy goes from, yeah, I'm in, to, uh, no, I'm out. And he tells us why. He doesn't want to endanger his own estate. He doesn't want to take the risk of having a child with Ruth. He's not willing to give back any property to a potential son. So he says, I'm out, which is exactly what Boaz wanted. And it's exactly what we wanted. We wanted him to say no. We want Boaz, because Boaz says, I'm in. I'll take the risk. I'll take the property. I'll take Ruth. And he's willing to provide for Ruth and Naomi. He's motivated by love. And he wants Ruth. So he announces, and we'll close out next week. He says, I'll redeem the land. I'll redeem Ruth. I will take Ruth as my wife. Kinsman, redeemer, such and such. All he was interested in was the property. The kinsman redeemer Boaz, all he's interested in is Ruth. This kinsman redeemer, he didn't want to risk losing his name. He wanted to preserve his name. And all we remember him as is such and such. Because he's not important. But the name Boaz means strength. And his strength stepped up. And he marries Ruth the Moabitess, which we've mentioned that throughout this book, every time she's introduced, she's Ruth the Moabitess, the Moabitess, the Moabitess. And when Boaz takes her, she's never called Ruth the Moabitess again. What a great love story between Ruth and Boaz. What a great love story between God and us. Because we'll see next week that Ruth and Boaz have a son who has a son, who has a son, who has a son, and several more generations, and they have a son, and his name is Jesus. Jesus comes through the lineage of this love story. And in the same way Boaz redeemed Ruth, Jesus redeems us. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Wow, redemption. Redemption, that's one of our themes in the book of Ruth. Redemption, the word redeem means to set free by paying a price. So when Naomi lost her husband, Elimelech, the rights to the family um, property and everything were passed on to Malon, and Malon dies. And you remember the purpose of the kinsman redeemer is to keep the land, to keep everything. And so the kinsman redeemer would not only get the land, the kinsman redeemer would get Naomi, would get Ruth, but the kinsman redeemer has the responsibility to foot the bill, to pay the price for the redemption. And such and such says, 
I can't do that. I don't want to risk my name. I don't want to risk paying the price. I don't want to risk because with redemption, there's always a price. There's always a price. Which is why we read in Romans 3, For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God, which means we all need redemption. And we're justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. And there's always a price. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. You see, because of our sin debt, there's a price. There's always a price. Someone has to set us free. Someone has to redeem us. Which is why we sing the song, Jesus, He paid a debt He did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to redeem me, to wash my sins away. He paid that debt at Calvary. He cleansed my soul and set me free. I'm glad that Jesus did all of my sins erase. I'm glad that Jesus redeemed me. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. Just like Boaz did for Ruth, Jesus does for us. Jesus paid the price for our redemption. Jesus paid the price to set us free. Here's what the cross of Jesus looks like. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, there was an exchange that took place at the cross. Jesus said, I'll take all of your sins, and you can have all of my righteousness. That's what redemption does. He redeemed us. Listen, folks, God didn't dismiss our sin debt. God transferred our sin debt, and He put it on Jesus, and He paid the price. That's why here in Ruth 4, in the last chapter of Ruth, redeem by Purchase, those words show up 15 times. Because that's what redemption is all about. Because you can't redeem without paying the price. Listen folks, salvation is not free. Someone had to pay the price. And Jesus did. Here's what we read in 1 Peter. For you know it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, salvation, atonement. Jesus was our atonement. It's not about attainment. So stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to work for it. You see, you don't purchase your salvation. Jesus purchased it for us. It's called redemption. He paid the price. So the question that you need to ask today is... Will I accept Jesus as my Redeemer? You see, Ruth's redemption, all she had to do was accept what Boaz was offering. Our redemption, all we have to do is accept what our Redeemer, Jesus, is offering. It's kind of interesting, don't you think, that Ruth opens with three funerals. And Ruth ends with a wedding and she didn't have to pay for anything Boaz paid the price our salvation Jesus paid the price the wedding you read about in several parables in the New Testament Jesus paid the price Ruth's story of redemption 
begins with death, the death of her husband. And it continues with new life through her son, which we'll look at next week. Our story of redemption begins with our death to our old self. And it continues with new life through the Son, Jesus Christ. Which is why we read in Romans 6, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. You know what that's called? It's called redemption. Redemption. This liquid grave behind me it offers life it offers hope it offers freedom it offers redemption through the blood of jesus again boaz took care of all of the cost to redeem ruth jesus took care of all the cost to redeem us and when you're baptized I don't know if you've ever considered it this way. You're saying, Jesus, I accept your redemption. I accept the price you paid. I accept you as my redeemer. Which is why we love to sing the song, Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redemption. We all need it. Let's pray.